This episode of Warp 5 is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your smartphone, tablet, or desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Also, help us keep Star Trek discussion coming to you each day by becoming a Trek FM patron through Patreon. Get access to exclusive content and become part of the team. You'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm. Hi, I'm Anthony Montgomery, Ensign Travis Mayweather on Star Trek Enterprise, and you're listening to Trek FM. Welcome, Boomers, and fans of Enterprise to the very last show of the season for the year 2015. Now, this year has been an amazing journey for all of us here in Team Conference Room, and we just wanted to dedicate this final show of the year to all of you, our listeners, our fans, and our supporters. So thank you for sticking with Warp 5 this year. I know sometimes we didn't have the most consistent schedule. We were a little bit erratic here and there, but believe me, we always want to do the best that we can possibly do for all of you and make sure that the content of the show is solid and up to your expectations. So hopefully we were able to provide that for you. We're so glad of all the feedback that we get in the Babel conference and from all of the emails and all of the reviews that we're going to review a little bit later on that come in through the network. So thank you. Thank you for enjoying the content. Thank you for all the support that you've provided for us this year. And we have a very great show for you today. It's a little bit of that kind of year in review thing that happens at the end of every calendar year on the media, like sports, like movies, like TV, all of those things. We're going to hit our top of the lists for you. But before we get there, I would like to thank the two gentlemen that are with me in the conference room this evening, as always with me as he has been for the most of my tenure here this year, is our content coordinator for the network, Will Wynn. Will, how are you? I'm good. I'm excited for the recap. I'm excited for the uh, all the stuff that's coming in 2016 in Star Trek. I'm just very excited. I know there's a lot of content, and, and we'll get to that a little bit later on, too. Probably not in this episode, because there are very specific things we need to talk about, especially when it comes to the new trailer that has popped, and then obviously 2017, which is um, very, very ripe for discussion. And again, we'll get to that probably in future episodes, and then all over the network on Trek FM. And also with us tonight is our, one of our two associate producers who has been so pivotal in supporting this show and ingraining himself with all of the behind the scenes inside Trek FM. And that's Floyd Dorsey. Floyd, how are you, my man? Hey, I'm doing good. Uh, I, man, I totally agree with, with what Will is saying, man, we had a great 2015 and I can't wait for 2016. I mean, it is the 50th. Let's get that out there. I mean, it's, it starts January one. Well, technically it started when the very first episode was aired, but you know, in November and 20 in 50 years from last November, technically. So 
but it is the 50th. And let's, let's get that round number out there. Let's start with January 1st and there's going to be a lot. And I think that we really kind of have to dial that back and think about how fortunate we are as Star Trek fans to still have great content out there. Whether or not you agree with it, Star Trek still is relevant. And we have the opportunity here on the network on so many different channels to talk about that. So if you don't mind, Will, would you let all of our listeners know how they can access all of that content throughout 2016 and beyond? Oh, that's a good one. Just like the ringtone. That's good. (laughs) So you can find us on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course you can always stream or download the MP3 file from our website at trek.fm and grab the RSS link. If you're an Apple user, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. That makes it easier for other listeners to find the show as a search iTunes. And if you like what you hear on Warp 5 or any of the Trek FM network shows, please leave us a rating and a review. It helps us increase our visibility for new listeners. Absolutely. And the great thing about what um, being able to find those reviews on iTunes is that it helps other listeners see like what kind of quality that we are as a show. Not just our show, but all the different shows on the networks and see that we are a high-ranking show in iTunes. And here are a couple of reviews that have come in. We are very fortunate to have such great listeners to the show and listeners that actually engage us on the Babel Conference, our dedicated listeners page on Facebook. And here are a couple I'd love to read for you. Here's a five-star review from Davis Grayson. Now, Davis, you will see and recognize his name on the Babel Conference. He is a long-term supporter. I think he was there since the Babel Conference started. And he said, if you are a fan of Enterprise and how the origins of the Federation take place, then check out this podcast is for you. This podcast gives you an in-depth knowledge of the episodes and characters and even a few what-ifs. I think that was pointed at you, Floyd, because you are a good what-if man. <laughs> Boomers unite. Absolutely. Thank you, Davis. And we have one also from BKB99. And the rating reads, I enjoyed Enterprise and love the podcast. It's informative and interesting and well presented. And thank you so much for that rating. We take great pride in bringing this show to you. You know, we do our homework, or at least we try to do as much homework as we can and make sure that the show and the content is relevant to you. So thank you for that rating. And the last rating I'd like to read for you is from NerfNet2000. A fun podcast with a great group of people having in-depth discussions that paint the much maligned series of the franchise in a much better light. I always have greatly enjoyed Enterprise, but this podcast has made me love it even more with their detailed analysis of the series and its characters that make me see things I never saw before and show how truly layered this wonderful show really was. If you enjoy Enterprise, give this podcast a listen. It's everything you could want and more. And that's... For me, that rating kind of describes our goal, you know, our mission statement here for Warp 5. Enterprise was a maligned show in the history of the fans who watched it back from all the way back from 2000, 2005 and late 2000 and into the mid 2005, I should say. And I think that the phrase time heals all wounds is applicable here because The more and more and more we see feedback on the Babel Conference, I think that there is a certain validation that's going on when fans say, I didn't like it at first. Time has passed. I've actually enjoyed it a little bit more and appreciate what is going on with the show. What do you guys think about that? Do you guys get that same type of reaction when you read these comments on the Babel Conference or hear them online or read them online? I I think it's great when 
somebody says that they listened to Warp 5 and then that got them more interested in Enterprise, especially particular episodes when people, they said, you know, well, I wasn't that big of a fan of that, but boy, you, you all saw, made me see it in a different light. I think that's, it's, it's just, it's so exciting to see that. Yeah, I think I agree too. I think it's just an evolution of how we watch shows now. Enterprise is available on demand. You can watch all the episodes. That plays a huge role in watching a show as opposed to catching it on a network at a weird time or on your DVR, which back then was this advanced technology. So I think a lot of mm-hmm. people are just discovering it. In the best way to watch TV, to be honest, is streaming, and you can watch it in order. And you're right. Expectations have changed. And expectations, as with everything in life, is key. So it's definitely interesting and heartening to kind of see that that reassessment that's going on. You know, when we take a look back at this entire year, one of the things that I believe this show was delivering throughout each episode was how much Enterprise meant to all of us as hosts first, fans also, and just people who are revisiting the franchise from a different perspective. We all have come to watch Enterprise in different ways. I was watching it when it first came out. And I do believe that even then, it didn't resonate with me at that time the same way it resonates with me now. As fans, we all come from different places and different mental spaces and different emotional states when we consume our content. And when you're watching that, whatever it is for the first time, whether it's Star Trek or Star Wars or Battlestar Galactica or Babylon 5 or Firefly or whatever, any of the Marvel movies, really kind of like take a look inward and say, what am I experiencing now? versus what I've experienced then or what I'm going to experience in the future. It's really interesting to kind of baseline how you enjoy things at the standpoint from when you see it or digest it. And that was probably the great thing for me as I look back for from 2005 and all the shows that I was able to do. I, I saw Enterprise from a different perspective. And, and this time it was a perspective of a student. And... In the segment that we're going to do next, one of the things that I've asked Will and Floyd to do was to take a look at what our favorite parts of the season were. So in this final show of the year, we'll be looking back at some of our favorite episodes and highlights from the show, our favorite parts. And then we'll be revisiting Hoshi Station. We did Hoshi Station every once in a while because Hoshi Station was where we took listener comments either from email or from the Babel conference. And then we will have a significant drum roll at the, uh, towards the end of the show because we will be going over the contest for the movie cast of Enterprise. And Floyd picked the winner. Floyd and Mike picked the winner as, uh, as our associate producers were asked to do. And we will have that winner for you later on in the show. But we've got a lot to talk about, so let's warm up those impulse engines as we do here in the conference room. But why would we, we should switch this to the engineering section because if we're going to warm up, seriously, warm up the engines, we should be in the engineering section. Maybe we'll switch locations short, next year. <laughs> it's a short walk. <laughs> exactly, right? So here we are, the year in review, our favorite highlights. Um, for me, uh, I'd like to kick this off with Warp 5, Episode 65, Archer Goeth Before Fall, Part 2. And the reason why I say Part 2 versus Part 1 because it was a two-part segment was because... This is the part of the uh, two-part episode where we discussed damage. And 
I have made this very clear and very prevalent on the show that Damage is my favorite episode of Enterprise. It still proves to me that Scott Bakula was the right choice for Captain Archer. I know that that is a point of some debate amongst the fans, uh, not just for Enterprise, but in Star Trek in general. But when you really see the nuance that he brought to that character in that episode and the choices he had to make, I don't think that anyone in that role could have done better. And he really brought, for me, he really brought a sense of true vulnerable humanity to that role. What did you guys think about that part of the episode? Yeah, the... um the Archer character study, that was that was some good stuff. I especially liked the research when we were looking at maybe him going down the darker path and what were the things that uh, set him off or were maybe shaping him in that. You know, like when we were talking about uh, what were the episodes where we saw him really stepping, you know, not to coin a phrase from a different franchise, but he was going to the dark side a little bit there. He actually kind of, he, he let loose he he opened up the closet a little bit. We got to see like what's how bad it could be for him, and especially damage. That that's boy, that's that's some good stuff, right? You know, there. Will is Boomer Niner. I think that this and and I you know I could be overstepping here, but I think that this episode was Archer's in the pale moonlight. What do you think? Absolutely, and ironically enough, Casey Biggs is a captain of the alien ship in Damage who obviously Casey Biggs is a huge character in DS9 as Damar. And I think one of the most interesting things about Star Trek is it it presents this question, but sometimes you often don't see the resolution. So I think if Enterprise had survived, I would have loved to have seen the aftermath of what happened in Damage. Because you see it happen often in Star Trek where you have a captain making a very dramatic decision but sometimes you don't see the consequences Janeway and Voyager with with Equinox or Tuvix uh, DS9 Pale Moonlight with Cisco I think you could argue Picard his actions in first contact can you know came up to um, came back to bite him in a way it would be really interesting to see Archer as the first captain right does he have does he suffer any consequences from his decision here the, the, the expedience of doing what he did and I think it'd been really bold if we saw a follow-up to say, you know what, there's a price to be had here, that you mm-hmm. that you saved Earth now, you stranded them, you made the calculation, but there's going to be a price to be extracted from you. And we don't know what that price is going to be. And it would be really interesting right. to see what that was. Especially if we found out later that they didn't make it. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. That could have, you know, that could have really, really hit home for Archer, you know, I mean, then we're really, he's literally writing the book for starship captains at that point. That could have been, man, that could have been saying a warning. You can't, the you know, ends don't justify the means because this is what happens as a rule. It can't. Right. And there's that whole discussion, you know, sometimes with in Star Trek with like, do I put the needs of my people, my civilization over the needs of another civilization that we barely know? That happened all the time. I think that's where Star Trek really shines, you know, as as a science fiction show. It's that moral quandary where, well, of course, as as viewers, we're going to be filtering it through the veil of humanity. But at the same time, if we were faced in that same position, it was like, well, do I have that right? You know, it's it's not my fault that I'm here, but I still have to make the moral and ethical judgment 
for this situation. Am I right or am I wrong? Either way, the decision has to be made and I have to deal with it and live with it. And I think that's something that's very special about the role of captain. You have to live with those decisions. We actually have a couple of, um, we chose some honorable mentions and I think for me, I, I always love this episode and I love talking about her for, for me, my honorable mention show for this year was Warp 564, the perfect Valentine for movie night because how much did we love talking about Kelly Waymeyer's Crewman Cutler? She would have she would have changed the trajectory of the show if she had sir mm-hmm. if she had obviously lived obviously it was a, a tragedy that she she died so early but she really should have been an integral part of the show and that could have been one of the first characters they built out in the same way they built mm-hmm. out Shran. She was just her acting chops were great. It was fantastic. Every you always forget, like, wow, what happens to this character? They literally just kind of like never mention her again, and it's a shame because she really could have shaped the show. Now you weren't on that for that yeah. show, Floyd, but did you get a chance to listen to that? Is that where you started listening, or were you listening before, or where you know where did you come in as a as a listener to the show? Oh, I've I've listened to the whole back catalog. Um, I came in, wow, um, probably. It was April of last year, so I was I was well into that. Uh, that was after you and Will had actually taken over the show at that time. That was around the first February. So right, right. yeah, I was I was grinning from ear to ear. That was it was a sunny day when I was listening to that episode, and I loved Cutler. I loved Kelly Waymire the way she did that, and it was very subtle. But she did. I mean, they had something there, even if they didn't give it to her. She made something out of that in the little bit of time that she was on the screen, she made a difference. I really believe she could have really made a huge difference. Absolutely. Yeah. She was a, you know, she was great potential and um, it, it was sad to, uh, to have read of her loss. And, and uh, we, we wish that she could have continued obviously in the show and as a human being as well. Um, but uh, you know, we, uh, we still have a lot to cover here. So will, how about you go over a couple of your choices here, your first choice and maybe an honorable mention for your fondest memory for 2015. Sure. I think my first choice has to be Warp 566 when we talked about Shran, a.k.a. the Garrick of Enterprise. I love Shran. I'm so glad you picked that because I, I was hoping someone was going to talk Shran. about Shran. And when, Thank when you. I actually was surprised no one had talked about uh, him on Warp 5 as, as, a, as a topic. We had talked about Andorians before. We never talked about Shran. And Shran is just... So fantastic. He's one of the rare characters where he just takes over the screen and he's was never a main he was never a main character. And Jeffrey Combs has that ability. And I what I love about Tran is that he's the complete opposite of the character I loved in Deep Space Nine, Wei Yun, the complete opposite. And yet I think Shran is the better role for him. He's better as Shran than he was as Wei Yun. And he was fantastic. Oh, I totally agree. And he was fantastic yeah, totally, as Wei Yun. Yeah. And that's amazing mm-hmm. the fact that he still topped it. And I just think I love the fact that they were able to have this character that was really the perfect foil for Archer and the perfect foil for humanity. And I, I think my other choice has been Warp 570, the Tellarite episode, because I think one of the most underrated aspects of Enterprise is the fact that it did a lot of world building. It did a lot of universe building, especially mm-hmm. in season four. And arguably the Tellarites were the least appreciate out of the four core races and enterprise actually put a face to them they actually put a role to them that was different than what you saw in in tos and in the babel uh journey to babel and it was a clear evolution 
And I love the fact that because of Enterprise, Andorians and Tellarites are flushed out. They're entities. They're actual real-life entities as opposed to just like, here's some blue-looking people in the background, and we can only use them for mm-hmm. movies because that's the only time we can afford their makeup, right? And I think that's one of the biggest legacies of Enterprise is that it actually built out the world in ways that a lot of fans um, still, I think, underappreciate. And in- yeah, there's a really great picture that I think we posted on the Babel conference before where it's Archer literally with his arms stretched out as a human bridge between the Andorian ambassador. Was it Gav? No, was Gav journey to Babel? I can't remember. Uh, it was, oh, geez. I know. Um, Grawl. But, Grawl. Okay. Grawl, Grawl, right. And then Grawl on one side, Shran on the other side. And interestingly enough, a very observant yet standoffish to Paul behind him. Because so the, if there's one thing Tellarites and Endorians hate together, they hate the Vulcans still, right? <laughs> they still hate those guys, right? It's 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 really good. But it was almost kind of like this great physical representation of who they were. Like Shran was still very kind of aggro in his stance, and so was Grawl. But to Paul was a little bit off to the side, very quiet and observing and Archer, again, with his outstretched arms, those were that was about as physical of a representation of the birth of the Federation as I've ever seen. And I think... And to, go ahead, Floyd. T'Pol has deniability by not actually being in there with her hand in. If things go bad, she can be back and say, hey, look, see, look at the picture. I told Archer actually kind of put me behind him. There was no way... There's, I couldn't have stopped what he was doing, <laughs> right? Yeah, the hey, that Tellarite discussion, that was some great stuff. I remember uh, I was actually riding in the car listening to that, and I kept saying to myself, this was 100 years before the original Babel conference. Right. So the guys with the hooves that we saw with Kirk were actually genetic throwbacks, okay? Or they just had really poor plastic surgery, or there was some kind of an end thing for the old They were an offshoot. They were because the guys... Yeah. Right. Or or this is an alien species. What if they're evolving in reverse of what we would have thought? Why not? Why not? So, hey, you know, and in 10,000 years, they might be you know running around on all fours. Sure. I don't know. I think I that's know. I think that I love the fact <laughs> that that episode was so speculative because there wasn't a lot to go on. So you really had to, like, fill it right. in. You really had to uh, surmise yourself. So and I would love I would. I would love to see a season long, you know, arc or something. If they did an anthology series, you know, Star Trek, uh, Andorian, Star Trek, Tellarites. I mean, that enterprise gave that to the Star Trek universe. Now, I mean, we're, we could really go there and I would be totally interested in seeing what their politics are like and what's, you know, what their interests are, things like that. That would be Absolutely. awesome. De- yeah, definitely. So Floyd, what about you? What were your favorite highlights for this year? All right, so for mine, I have uh, Reimagining Season 1, which was Warp 5, number 67. That. that was fun. And, hey, that, you know, it's it's always fun to talk about the what-ifs in Enterprise. And that discussion, you know, got me thinking, really imagining what it could have been like if they would have spent a whole year on Earth building the ship, building the crew, building the drama. You could see the politics of Starfleet, the politics possibly of the United Earth government or whatever, whatever they called it. And it, it could have been, it could have been so good. I mean, that we got, we kind of saw it in the one episode and when, when we had, um, Carradine as the guest first star, flight. I can't recall it. First yeah, flight, of course. 
that's that, tattooed in my eyelids, man. That's my, uh, you know, that's that's what I wanted it to be. I wanted, I wanted season one to be I would, first flight. I would love to see the whole season of that. That would have been greatness. Mm-hmm. That would have been so amazing. Uh, my honorable mentions that I have was when, as soon as I heard that this was the topic we were really talking about, I thought of deconstructing Degra warp five, number 74. Uh, Degra is, I always really, really like Degra, but this discussion solidified it for me, especially the Babel conference discussion that we had afterwards. That was so much fun and defending or whatever, however we were putting our, our spin on this character. That's how much of an impact he had on this on season three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it was, uh, it was, it went really well. I, you know, he made it all the way to the end there, but he was a very deep character and that was a really good discussion. I think one of the biggest points of contention when we were talking about that in the Babel conference was whether or not he should have died. He should not have died. Because... He should have lived. <laughs> he should have lived. Yeah, it was, um, because, uh, well, I said, I said, if he died, it would have been like, like I would have, you know, he died in the shadows, you know, killed by a reptilian who, you know, is sneaky and that kind of thing. And it was cold and it was, you know, that it was just a back, back room kind of a deal, but it would have been some major, like high crescendo on the soundtrack drama. If they would have stabbed him right in the middle of the council chambers in front of everyone, you know, and Degra just being like, yeah, I did that. I'm not, not, not Degra, uh, the reptilian, you know, he just owned it. Yes. He would just own it. Yeah. Yeah. I did that. Who's with me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, it's, it's always sad, uh, in a TV show to lose a quality talent like Randy Oglesby was as Degra, because you want to see more of that. You want to see, you know, not just where he's going to bring the character, but you just want to see how much more quality he can bring you know, to a role because he was such a fantastic actor. And then, you know, his role as Degra was cut short, not getting him into the fourth season, obviously, but it's, it's a joy to have somebody like that on there. And I think the reason why his loss was felt so impactfully is because he was so good at what he did as Degra. The episode where he and Archer were, were, is basically a two man play where they were talking, where, where Archer was trying to convince him that he was on their side and they were just, they were trying to escalate Degra's, uh, uh, falling into trust, falling into favor, you know, with Archer. And it, it's, you could have done that because uh, Randy Oldsby's background is theater. And it was just literally two chairs, regardless of the, uh, of the ship that they were in. It, it was just two men talking, you know, very much like shuttle pod one. It was just, that's a two man play. I love episodes like that because you really get to see. It's like balance of tower, uh, balance of terror. In a lot of ways. Right, exactly. Like the balance of terror. It's just, it's very quiet. It's, it's, I think that's also when Star Trek is at its best, is when you have these really nice quiet moments. I mean, um, amongst all the bombastic uh, science fiction that, that it can be, it's, it's the, the quieter character moments that will really allow you to appreciate what's happening in the, in the tapestry of the storytelling. But all great moments, and for all the listeners out there, please take a look at our back catalog, and especially the episodes that we're talking about, because... Uh, these, I think, were just a lot of fun to do. Uh, there were great moments for us. I do believe that Deconstructing Degra, Will, you helmed that as host, and you did a great job with that. You, It was you, Jeff, and Tommy, Tommy Kraft uh, from Star Trek Horizon. Which is almost and out. You, it's actually almost going to be out soon, so that's very exciting. Right, with the score, which Tommy did, which is brilliant. So, uh, you know, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later in, in, the, in the thank yous, but... Um, 
great show uh, and it's for enterprise it's interesting to try and find things to talk about because we were so limited with four seasons but when you really think about it Star Trek the original series only had three seasons and of course they had the movies but when you were talking about just the show itself you know, they're one season shy of Enterprise, so there's still a great deal to talk about. We will get to that in 2016. So speaking of 2016... Well, hey, yeah. uh, before, you, before you move on, yeah. though, the Enterprise Blu-ray oh, series sorry, that yeah, you all did, that. That, that Blu-ray series you all did was great. That was so great. To get into the back, the getting into the behind the scenes, the Babel Conference discussions that we had about that, it got everybody really jazzed about it. I mean, it got me excited enough that I bought my full journey. That's where we got a cut of the proceeds, uh, Floyd. That's exactly why we did it. Me and point zero 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 one percent. Me and Norm were like, "Hey, hey!" Uh, so that's for so listeners out there. If you haven't heard it, that's warp five number seventy five, seventy six, seventy seven, and seventy eight. That is some good stuff. Like if you haven't bought the Blu Ray set yet, you give that a listen. That might really want to give it to you. And also, I'd like to announce that I will be giving away a Full Journey Enterprise Blu-ray set to a lucky listener in 2016. Wow. So stay tuned. That's amazing, Floyd. Thank you. And one of the perks for being associate producer for the show is that you can call that kind of a shot because that's just what we like to do for our fans. Floyd, thank you so much for making that offer. And that set, I do believe, is the set that Will has advertised before. I do. It's the uh, the set that I got from Amazon UK. It's in one big. It's in one uh, volume. It's in a really great slipcase. So it it's a great deal. I think you get great deals on any of the Blu-ray sets right now. So Floyd's mm-hmm. gonna hand deliver it to your house. Um, he's going <laughs> to go the extra mile in doing that. Obviously. Yeah, we might we might uh, we might just use it for the the new transporter That's that they're true. working on they're trying to they're upgrading the transporter we might just use that the one. site said the one that can get from federation space to chronos and back right oh well, too soon <laughs> yeah uh. <laughs> but you know what i love about the blu-rays is that we had larry on two of those shows we had larry absolutely Hamachek. i was going to bring that up i can't thank larry yep. enough for being on those because he was there he was there for the closeout of how many of the series? Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and Enterprise for Star Trek Communicator. And the the stories that he brought to those shows were invaluable to the content for Warp 5, especially when he was talking about, and he was featured most on, the fourth Blu-ray set. Uh, his documentary footage there is just outstanding, and being able to have him on the show and talk about that was just it was a great gift to us, and you know, Larry always has an open invitation to come join us on Warp Five at any time. He's he, he has ambassador status, of course, of course, <laughs> and that's what's going to be happening in 2016. So, in our next segment here, we're going to talk about looking forward to 2016 and Star Trek's 50th anniversary, and what we'd like to cover a little bit in 2016 based on some of what we've heard about on the Babel conference and some audience feedback from uh, subspace channels, email, and what have you. So. Again, talking about Larry, I would love to have a little bit more of celebrity participation as we can. We had Anthony Montgomery on, and his interview was fantastic. He was talking about his his convention appearance in Daytona. Uh, I believe that was at the end of October. And he was talking about his, some of his new work opportunities. And we love Travis. We love, I'll call him Boomer Alpha because that's who he was. You know, he was Boomer Alpha. And... We loved what he brought to Travis Mayweather, the role, uh, the potential that Travis had, 
some of the pitfalls in some of his performances that we didn't get a chance to see. We covered that on the Blu-ray also. So if it is possible, I would like to extend invitations to some more celebrities to come on. Those are a little bit more difficult for us to be able to procure in terms of scheduling, but that would be a goal of mine for 2016. And it's always good for our listeners to be able to have that for them. Uh, it's it's always a joy to have celebrities on the show. I mean, who, who doesn't love like, you know, because, uh, you know, Deep Space Nine, The Orb, uh, they had Aaron Eisenberg uh, recently. And for TNG and The Orb, uh, for Earl Grey and The Orb, they had Michael Dorn. Not on both shows, but we had Michael Dorn here on the network it's always great to like hear what's happening with this celebrity. So that's, that's something I would like to have done for 2016. How about you? So what you're saying, Norm, is that we're going to go to Scott Bakula's house and hold a boom box outside his house until he comes on warp five. Is that what you're saying we're going to do in 2016? He can literally say anything. Absolutely. He can say anything. If he wanted to, I know where you're going. I am going. So we're going to go pick up (laughs) Floyd in Texas as I move westward. And Mike. Nice and Mike, Mike Morrison, our other associate producer, then pick you up in Orange County, then go to Scott Bakula's house. And Jeff. And Jeff. Jeff. He's 20 minutes and um, that's not going to be stalker. That's not going to be stalking at all. And I think he's going to, you know, receive that really well. These five strangers at his house. <laughs> I think he's in the Hollywood Hills. So I think I might be able to get past his gate. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what the site to site transporter can do for us. Um, so how about in 2016? Will? how about you? What do you what would you like to see? But all joking aside. I would actually love to just continue what we've been doing, but I think specifically do an Essential Enterprise um, series. I think a lot of what To the Journey has done with Essential Voyager has Mm -hmm. been a great hit in terms of kind of curating what you think the Essential episodes are. And we kind of already do that with a lot of our episodes, but really hone in on, let's say, three or four episodes that you have to watch out of the season. And I think it's really an exercise of kind of choosing what do you think is the best flavor What's the best themes to take away from it? I think I have to think of think of it myself, actually, what I wanted to see from seasons one, two, and three, and four. And I think the fans have been asking for it, and I think it'd be really successful if we did it. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's interesting when you take a look at looking down the barrel of a season, you know, looking down the barrel of 22, 24 episodes, especially from a first-timer, because I personally encourage any person that's wanting to watch Enterprise from the very beginning to watch it in its entirety, in totality, because that's obviously you're going to get all of the little hidden jokes or innuendos or all the different details, because Enterprise was a very strongly serialized show. It wasn't a bottle show like the way that the original series was. So it's not like you can pick it up five episodes later, especially in season three and say, hey, what's going on? You know, uh, who are these Zindi? And then why are we in, you know, uh, backwoods cowboy type thing? You know, it's it's you have to be able to follow that in, in, in continuity and perpetuity with the seasons. But once that happens for some of our more seasoned veterans, for our seasoned boomers of Enterprise, we can definitely get into the essentials because I do like what Char and Tristan's doing over there on to the journey and giving people quote unquote the cliff notes of the season you know where to hit the high points uh, if you're going to do a rewatch you don't have to hit everything uh, you know you don't have to watch Trip Get Pregnant again uh, just you know you don't have to do that <laughs> you don't have to watch the crew devolve into semi kind of reptilian prehistoric creatures if you don't want to so um Okay, so how about you, uh, Floyd? In 2016, um, what would you, I mean? You're an associate producer for the show. Uh, you actually get to call some shots and suggest some things for us. So, this is your chance, kind of, to uh, to lay out some of the foundation of what you'd like to see. 
Yeah, just to build on what Will said, uh, also just doing like a top three or top five episodes, like favorite episodes for per season, um, that could be fun. That's just kind of a personal preference on those. Um, of course, I like speculation, so more speculation, building on what the what-ifs on certain characters and episodes and storylines that we could go in. Um, I... I'd kind of like to see maybe Warp Five try an episode rewrite. Ooh. I know we haven't, I know we haven't tried it yet, but like maybe a spur of the moment that that would be tough. A spur of the moment, the pressure's on, the mics are on, let's go for it. Or you know, scripted ahead of time. That's you know that could, that could be fun. You know, that's kind of what I did with the Amanda Cole idea. That was scripted ahead of time. So um revisiting the vulcans and endorians really getting into those characters or, or those those species um, a lot of people didn't stick around till season four and they were so disappointed with the vulcans because they weren't like the vulcans that they had seen before right. and we really during the kirshar arc really brought it home like oh this is why they don't act like that mm-hmm. so um i like that and then maybe like maybe discuss some lost episode ideas or some what could have been episode ideas that are actually kind of floating around on the net. So those are, those are some, I actually found some really fun ideas on that. I always felt that Terra Nova was a really great episode that could have been, that just wasn't really fully realized. Mm-hmm. I think that the, the basic brushstrokes of a original series type episode was there. But I think that if Manny Koto was showrunner at the time, he would have been able to tie in a little bit more of that aesthetic make it, into Terra Nova. Make it two-part. Make it a two-parter. Yeah, Stretch it sure. out a little bit. Right. Like, you know, the, the crescendo of that or, or the, the the apex of that two-parter would be, they're human? Dun-dun-dun. You know, like Rikers, fire. You know, at the end of season three of TNG which is the greatest cliffhanger, I think, in Star Trek history. Because they right? literally didn't know what they were going to do. They're like, all right, we'll <laughs> figure it out later. <laughs> That's right, Earl Grey. We're stealing your thunder right now. So, um, But no, those are all great goals for 2016. 2016 is it's such an exciting year to think about. We are in the 50th anniversary of Star Trek. We have Star Trek Beyond, which has been spoiled by first preview. We have... Star Trek 2017, that has also been spoiled by the news media as the next CBS online offering. These are good things, people. Now, I know that there's going to be some consternation about how these are presented, about what it is going to mean to you, because I recently wrote something in the Babel Conference, an article that said, I found the most interesting two words in the last couple of days about the preview of the new Star Trek Beyond movie and that these two words were to me. Star Trek is so personal to each one of us because it has brought us so many different things in our lives at so many different times. But I think that we can all agree on one thing is that Star Trek is still relevant. Star Trek does matter. Star Trek has to continue. It must continue because it is the voice still, in my opinion, of what we still can achieve as a people, as a society, as as the human race, okay, if we choose to do so. But you have to accept that warts and all. We are not perfect. We won't be perfect then either, you know, but we are striving towards a greater goal. Are we going to get there? That's what Star Trek gives us the opportunity to study. Can we get there? Absolutely. We have every potential to get there. 
But let Star Trek still be your allegorical narrative for that possibility. And that's what Star Trek 2016 means to me. What do you guys think? Oh, yeah. I I, I watched the trailer. I, I actually was holding off on watching the trailer for the new Star Trek Beyond. And I was reading what everyone was saying about it, which was kind of funny because I hadn't actually watched it yet. And I, I read it, it like throughout the entire day. I didn't actually watch the trailer until about 7 p.m. And I could have watched it at any time, but it was actually, I was reading what everyone was saying about it and their, their opinions. And there, it was, I don't know. I, what's been, what's been very interesting to me about this upcoming movie is what Justin Lin and Simon Pegg have said about it in the last couple of days about the trailer. And like Simon Pegg actually saw, I just saw an article earlier that was posted that he said he was surprised about it. So everybody keep your shirts on. Let's, let's, let's see, let's see, let's see what it turns out. Let's see how it turns out. Bring it back to enterprise for, I love it. Um, mm-hmm. okay. For me, I think it's, it's like, it's like when enterprise debuted in 2000, I think it's, a lot of fandom is at a crossroads and it's been a crossroads when enterprise debuted and it was at a crossroads when it went off the air, when Trek was off the air for quite some time before 2009. I think there's just, there hasn't been a settling yet. There, there hasn't been an acceptance. There hasn't been a long run of star Trek. And I think that's why fandom is still so unsettled for better, for worse in the nineties was the heyday. That was a high water mark of star Trek three series. Couldn't, overlapping each other movies and then after that period you had enterprise had you know being truncated after four seasons huge break then jj then a couple movies in between kind of a falling out there and then now the 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 follow-up the third movie and then this new series that's coming so there's it's been rocky ever since 2000 there's just been this kind of there hasn't been a groove of seven eight nine years which when you think about it in in terms of television seven eight nine years is unheard of for something to keep on going so i think that's another thing is that we're just we're so used to it being settled we're so used to having so much trek and now we've gone through a couple iterations where it's very new enterprise was very new and very different jj trek very new and different and it's still being it's still very unsettled because we don't know what the 2017 series is going to be we don't know what star trek beyond's ultimately going to be same thing with enterprise when people saw enterprise it was just what's where are they going to go with this it's different it seems new and um for me it just has echoes of star trek being it we're still figuring it out and it hasn't found its groove yet and it hasn't found its groove since the 90s, which for better or for worse, can be a good or bad thing. Sometimes it can be too much of a groove and you're too comfortable. So I think we should be optimistic. This is something that we've been talking about for a while is there's a lot of exciting things happening and hopefully it's going to be a long stretch of it. So we'll see. It's it is exciting. exciting. I think so. It's, it's exciting, yeah. man. Yeah. It's we're we're not just we're not just enjoying the trek that we have. It, we're looking forward to the trek that's coming. It's still it's still to come. It's we have so spoiler exciting. alerts, guys. That's crazy, <laughs> right? That's crazy. Right. Or we will have to have spoiler alerts, right? So that's a good thing. You know, one of the great things uh, also in in 2015 uh, with the amount of feedback and participation we get on the Babel conference are these great ideas. And I just wanted to, 
just touch base on a couple of them uh, that have come through in the last couple of weeks as we started ramping up towards this last episode. So one of the things, one of the ideas I think is really cool comes from our very own art director, Aaron Harvey. He actually wrote on the Babel conference, what would Enterprise be like if it was actually the first Star Trek made back in the 1960s, the 1966 to 1969 run, or in this case would have been 1970 run, chronologically in the universe and in production. Same stories, but different spins. So I was kind of like, I just want to float this out there for all of the fans who enjoy Enterprise and enjoy the original series. What if Archer and the NX-01 encountered the Talosians in the cage? Ooh. Think about that. Yeah, that's a good one. Because we know the great thing about Enterprise is we know that it was the first ship to go out there into deep space. The Warp 5 engine gave the NX-01 the capability to go further than any Federation ship or Starfleet ship at the time was able to go. So what if they were able to actually encounter Vina and the Talosians, and that was the story of the cage? What if they were able to encounter Balok and Archer would have to stare down I guess Clint Howard could do it again if he wanted to. Stare down Balok and the Corbomite maneuver. What if the Federation's expansion charter did in fact encroach on Gorn space and it was Archer that had to broach the peace and broker the peace between you know, the, the Gorn ascendancy and the Federation or Starfleet at the time? What if Archer were and Trip? It would have been Archer and Trip or maybe it was Archer and T'Pol. They were on Organia. And they were getting pushed around by John Colicos's core and Errand of Mercy. I gotta stop you there. I gotta pretty- stop you there, Norm, because you're gonna go all <laughs> night long. Because TOS and Enterprise, <laughs> those are your two loves. I feel like you can go on yeah. all day. You're, you're in my wheelhouse, house, right? So wheelhouse. that's a really. I think yes. that's a really interesting question that Aaron posed. I never thought of it, but it's really interesting because Enterprise is about space exploration or how we went into space for the first time, but told from the perspective right. of that time period. So in the 60s, it would have literally been the Saturn V rocket. It would have been NASA. It would have been Gemini. So it would have been even more of those things. It literally, I mean, the original Constitution-class ship looks like a saucer with rocket engines on it. But if it was Enterprise, it would have even been more so. It probably just been one rocket. I don't know. I think it's very interesting to kind of see it would have been probably so much more space age, so much more NASA, so much more of that space race, I think, and element to it. I think that's a really interesting spin on it. What if Enterprise really was the first, both chronologically in universe and um, and in production? It would have looked. It would have looked like that because that's actually what the original concept was supposed to be. So Norman is holding the. <laughs> NC-1701 upside down, upside down, with uh, the saucer upside down, the engineering section up. I mean, it, it it makes sense. It's like what the Reliant was, right? They just kind of flipped it, and it's a really good question. Yeah, I mean, it would have been great to have seen Matt Jeffries take out, you know, take on the design of the time for Enterprise, because you literally were in the right stuff era, right? So, you know, you know back in the 1960s, you were dealing with our first spaceflight program and there would have been a lot of emotional continuity going on there not just from a design aesthetic but from just this nationalistic aesthetic as well so it would have been really neat to see how much of the united states space program how much of nasa would have transcended into what would have been starfleet at that time and 
because of the way that everything was so very socio-politically structured in Star Trek in the 1960s, how would that have resonated? I don't really have an answer for that. I love speculating about that. I know, Floyd, you love the what-ifs. You know, as Jeffrey is Mr. Atos, you're Mr. What-if. Absolutely. So I think that's a really cool idea, and I think that's something for our boomers to chew on. But you had a couple, Floyd, that you also highlighted from that discussion. You would like to talk a little bit more about those. Yeah, uh, Ikaku Beeman, sorry if I misspelled your, mispronounced your name, but uh, he had mentioned on the Babel conference about having more of a season mm-hmm. two discussion, uh, specifically episodes analysis. He said that it seemed like that season one gets a lot of love and season three and season four get a lot of love, but there's some really good episodes in season two. And I agree. I, I see season one and season two as it, they're, it's, its own, it's its own arc, really, when I'm watching it. And then season three has its own arc. And then season four has, that's when it really becomes like more of a prequel. But yeah, the season one and season two is more of the future for us. And I totally agree. I'd, you know, get, we could dig into some season two. Um, also, Greg Mullenby uh, had mentioned revisiting the Vulcans. And the funny thing was, is he had mentioned revisiting the Vulcans about a day or two after we were talking about it in, uh, on private channels. About We actually had a nice little private uh, Vulcan discussion going on for it was a Facebook mind meld so Floyd between, you can say it yeah right <laughs> and uh, that was that was funny that he said that because we were thinking the same thing revisiting those Vulcans well the cool thing is about the Vulcans here in Enterprise is that we get to see this interpretation of Vulcans and when you really think about how Vulcans progressed in in the in the hearts and minds of the viewers from the original series forward, you really don't get a solid foundation of what Vulcans are. Because in the original series, you get the half-breed Vulcan. You start off with Spock. He's wrestling with his humanity. He's wrestling with being human or Vulcan. Then you get Sarek. And then you kind of understand the pure Vulcan in Sarek, but you also still have that tempered with the human side of, of Amanda. So you don't really get still what it means to be Vulcan. Then in the, and then, you know, you have the history of all these little tidbits. I mean, obviously in a mock time, you get a little bit more, you get to actually meet to pow and you get to meet the under or understand the, um, the, uh, the Ponfar process and all that kind of stuff. That's all great. Those are all cultural tags, but you don't understand where that comes from. Uh, in in the, the motion picture, you get to understand the culinary process, and even in 2009, you get to understand the culinary process, but you don't really understand Vulcanisms. And I think that's really cool in, in, in Enterprise where you're, you, know, you, know, you understand that, what does that mean that Vulcans can't lie? Obviously they do, because in uh, the um, Shadows of Pajam in season one, they clearly are lying. To the Andorians. <laughs> we don't have a listening station here. Here's a door. There's a listening station. That's clearly a lie. You are lying, Vulcans. But, you know, those 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 became really big sticking points to the fans. So I thought it was neat. I thought it was neat to be able to dig up some dirt on them, to, under, to understand what was happening with Velas, how his relationship with the Romulan High Command was happening with the Tal Shiar. I thought that was all fantastic. So, yes, we definitely need to talk more about Vulcans and the tapestry that 
I think we are just starting to pull that one little thread from because there's a lot that's going on there. And I think that does actually irk the fans a little bit because Vulcans are put on a pedestal when it comes to, you know, uh, alien races in Star Trek. But I think that they have just as much to discover and to uncover as any other race. I think that's the I think that's the important point to to realize and and again going back to what we could have seen if the federation is supposed to work the way it's supposed to work there has to be some sort of value in that union there has to be some sort of value in that coalition the humans have to learn something the vulcans have to learn something the andorians have to learn something the tellarites have to learn something they all have to gain something in exchange for forming an alliance together that's not just about defense that's not just about the military and i think that's the thread that they would have gone down to is that there was a union here and it wasn't just out of mutual interest. They had to want to be here because they gained something from it and it wasn't just security. And I think that's what we would have seen. And I think that was so interesting about that entire arc of, of the Vulcans changing because they should change. They should change just as humans change, just as anyone else change. Why wouldn't they change as well? Right. Right. So content coordinator, let's put that, let's earmark that for uh, a future discussion for Warp 5 in 2016. And there was one other thing, uh, Floyd, that you wanted to discuss. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Shea Matala actually had mentioned discussing the Enterprise novels. Mm-hmm. And um, we just have to get the, the okay from Matthew Rushing, you know, from Literary Tracks. But uh, I think what you had found out, Will, was uh, anything that they had already discussed was open for us is that right uh i i don't recall that specifically but i think i've i think okay. we've reached out to matt saying he's he's yeah. he's open to the idea of him coming on we could talk about this stuff i do know the fact that they don't cover a lot of enterprise books um but i think i think an exception could be made just because there's so much left to be unsaid after these are the voyages and because the books I don't want to spoil anyone. The books change it so much, uh, the ending of that episode. The books basically kind of do a soft reboot of the ending of Enterprise, and it, do, and it does it in a very clever way, and it just relaunches everything. So, But that's okay because that was Riker's hologram program, okay? That was what I know, Riker I, I, wanted exactly. to do. Exactly. So. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's shame on us, and I, I'll, t- I'll be the first one to take to take the blame for this that we did not cover these other voyages the way that we wanted to. But maybe that's it's time. Maybe it's time that we really do maybe a two, maybe a three-part episode covering these other voyages because it really does need to be discussed. Um, you're right, Floyd. I had discussions with Matthew about how Literary Treks releases uh, the information from from being able to talk about the books on their show to the other shows. And once they've covered that on their show and and has disseminated the content for their listeners, then we have a little bit more of an open license to talk about that on, I mean, especially like the, uh, the destiny trilogy, which is, I know Will's a huge fan of because it has to do with Erica Hernandez. We can actually talk about that on the show. That's so, news yeah, to me. That up. changes everything. We can right. talk about the books. The books are great. Oh man. Yeah. After the fact, after, after the, the fact. fact. So if it, once, once it releases as a book, literary treks has um, the opportunity to cover that. And then once they do that, then we can, and I would love to have Matthew on the show. You know, Matthew, uh, I've been on the 602 club many times as, I'm sure that uh, he would be very open uh, to be able to discuss those books because he reads every single one of them. He and Dan Gunther, also, um, who is also a co-host for that show, 
they go through every single one of those books and read them at length. So uh, they know all that content and it would be great to have their opinions on the show for sure. I'm, I'm ashamed to say as an enterprise fan that I am, that I haven't read any of the books, but I am so I'm just, I'm saving it up. I'm letting it build the suspense is building for it. I'm saving it up. And also I need to find time to read books for fun. <laughs> so, but I am looking forward to it greatly. I know that the one that Matthew told me to read without fail just to get into the process of reading these books is The Good That Men Do. That's what Will is talking about, the soft retcon of the end of These Are the Voyages. So if any of you listeners are out there that are looking for a particular book to start with, that is the one that has been recommended highest by Matthew. And I know that he has his own particular opinions about the end of These Are the Voyages, and I know that he wants to be on that particular show too. So again, that's something that we could probably make half a season talking about that show because there's a lot of controversy about that. But we will do that in 2016. Now, for the final part of this show, we have something really fun to talk about, and we have been spoiling this a little bit on the Babel Conference. We have picked the winner for the Warp 5, Episode 81 this movie better make $200 million at opening episode. That's where we covered our movie cast or our wish list for the movie cast. And I would love for Floyd to do the honors and let us know who the grand prize winner is of a Star Trek, the original series, 365 book that I will mail to you tomorrow. Yeah, thank you, Will, for offering a prize for this contest. Um, thank you listeners who contributed to the after show discussion. It was, it was a lot of fun hearing like choices that were being thrown out there. And those of you who uh, took the time to post your full lists for your whole cast. Um, so the procedure that I used on this uh, just because everyone's list, I, I, I liked reading everyone's list is nice to speculate on that. I, uh, took names, put them on pieces of paper. I ripped them up. I put them in a box and I walked up to my wife and told her to pick a piece of paper out. And she didn't know what it was for. She goes, is this a Star Trek thing? I said, yep. <laughs> and so, um, she pulls out a name and the winner is Nick Anatasio. Yay. So, yay. Congratulations. I'm if I didn't pronounce your last name correctly, I'm so sorry, but th congratulations, Nick, your name was pulled by a non star Trek fan who had no idea what she was actually doing on that. So that's as random as you can be right there. Uh, Nick actually had a title for his, his movie that he wanted to say, he called it the search for trip. Uh, he had uh, Archer was Russell Crowe mm. to Paul is Charlie's their own choice. Tucker, Woody Harrelson. Reed was Michael Fassbender. Flox is Andy Serkis. Mayweather is Chadwick Boseman. Hoshi is Chloe Bennett. Oh, really? Forrest, hmm. Forrest Harrison Ford. Mm -hmm. That one that one threw me for a loop because I had honestly never thought about crossing streams on this. I didn't even think about that. So that was that was kind of cool. Uh, his Shran was Christoph Waltz. That's awesome. So awesome. That would be sweet. That would be sweet. And uh, Soval, Liam Neeson, mm. and Erica Hernandez, he has Jennifer Lopez. Wow. So That's an unorthodox choice. That's a bold choice. <laughs> <laughs> and congratulations, Nick. Uh, you know, thank you so much for submitting your entry. I do think, Floyd, that budget-wise, I think he beats your list a little bit here. 
just just a little bit. But I, you know, when when you're thinking about the motion, like Enterprise, the motion picture, uh, this is a really fantastic list. Uh, I, I think that your choice of Harrison Ford. I think we talked about this also on the Babel conference, or typed about this on the Babel conference. Nick, I wondered if that was inspired by the way that Harrison Ford turned his character from Ender's Game uh, into this type of a character. Uh, but he said no. He said it was a, just Harrison Ford. It was just uh, his choice. Um, to Paul as uh, Charlie Charlie Theron as to Paul. That's interesting. That's interesting, especially the way that she turned that character. Uh, uh, Furiosa in in Mad Max Fury Road. I mean, she was she can pretty much do anything in acting ever, however she wants, whenever she wants, and I have absolutely no problem with her being a Vulcan. You know, even as Scandinavian looking as she is, she would make me believe that she's Vulcan. Also, her from uh, Prometheus, like her character from Prometheus, seemed very Vulcanish to me. If you go back and watch, very that. calculating for sure. Yeah, very almost kind of like emotionally distant. Absolutely. It would be really neat to see Liam Neeson and Christoph Waltz go at it as Shran and Saval. It would. That would be fantastic. That would be some paint-peeling drama. I'm telling you, that would be amazing. And then, obviously, Jennifer Lopez coming in to save the day in the NX-02 as Hernandez would be really, really, really cool. So, thank you, Nick. Uh, Great job. Thank you, everybody, for submitting your ideas. That was a lot of fun. We'd like to run a little bit more of these kind of contests, uh, as we talked about earlier in 2016. Because it's, I mean, I, I love it. I love audience participation in the Babel Conference. I think it's such a blast. It's fun to have a lot of fans get energized and talk about Enterprise because it's just something that just isn't part of the norm, um, part of the pun, you know, on the Babel Conference. And absolutely, please do uh, stay engaged. And we have a lot more great content for you in 2016. So that's pretty much our show, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, we had such a great time here in well we started off in the decon chamber will and i and then we migrated towards the conference room because we just needed a little bit bigger space but i started off this journey almost a little over a year ago when christopher jones asked me to host warp 5 and it has been a great blessing it has been incredibly fun incredibly challenging and before i give my final thoughts i would love for will and for floyd to take the opportunity to talk to all of you and just have them do their, in your mind's eye, think about the end of Star Trek VI and do the signature sign-off at the end of the credits. And I'd like for them to be able to have that moment for you. So go ahead, Will and Floyd. I'm, I'm signing my screen uh, right yeah. now in permanent marker. I think that's probably a mistake <laughs> for later on when I need to use this thing, but it looks cool. Uh, no, I think... I think the the great thing about this network is I was a listener only a year ago and now I'm co-hosting and I'm, and I'm a regular on the network Floyd the same way and Norman obviously as well. And I love the fact that it wasn't that long ago, but it does seem kind of a long time ago. And that's one of the great things about this network is that you really have a chance to interact with other people really have a voice and, it's been it's been crazy. I literally only discovered Check FM two summers ago, and uh, it really has been a long way from getting from there to here. Um, and for me, it's just been a, a really great ride. And just with 2016 right around the corner, with so much stuff with Star Trek, but also with Enterprise, I think there's just so much to talk about, so much to be engaged with. So, really, is um, 
a blessing. Well said. Uh, yeah, this has been a great year on Warp 5. Uh, thank you, Norm and Will, for keeping the NX program going so strong uh, since with the refit. Um, thank you, Jeff and Tommy, for your numerous guest appearances. Your insight adds so much to the discussions. Um, also, thank you, Larry. Man, anytime, anytime, man. It is always fun to listen to, to your insider information, your opinions on things. Um, also, thank you so much, Norm and Will, for uh, welcoming Mike and I as associate producers on the show. It's been so fun these past few night, few months. And also, thank you, listeners, for supporting Warp 5. Um, our post-show conversations on the Babel Conference are so much fun. I look so forward to the when the show drops, what everyone's talking about, and what everyone's ideas are about the discussion that they've heard. So it's so much fun. Thank you so much, Babel Conference uh, participants and listeners. I was going to say one of the perks of, of, of being part of the network and of the show is that we always wear the same thing. I think the listeners can't see, but all <laughs> – Norm, myself, and Floyd are all wearing the same um, in Neptune, uh, to Neptune and back in, in six seconds or – yeah, six seconds. Minutes. Or six minutes, sorry. Six, six seconds minutes. Really fast. In six minutes shirts and Norm and I are both wearing the same hat per usual, our NX hats. So that's the requirement is that we always have to wear the same clothes <laughs> all the time. Um, so that's always fun for our significant others that we're always wearing the same clothes. No, I kid. I kid. I think it's just fun that <laughs> – um, we can always have that type of camaraderie. You know, for me, uh, and it's funny too, because it, it helps that it's the only shirt that we have, Will. It is. Right? It really is you know, the only, the literally only shirt that I have. <laughs> I wash it every other day. I can't wait. I can't wait. I, I have this in my head, like ready to pre-order our Warp 5, uh, our uh, Trek FM store Warp 5 That's shirt. right. That's right. That is still design. It's still TBD, but with Aaron... Harvey, our art director, I know the design will always be fantastic. Amazing, because he does such amazing work for for the show and for the network and for the for the store. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, before I sign off for this final show, I just wanted to take the opportunity to echo what Floyd and what Will have said. Um, there's not much left for me to say. They've thanked pretty much all of the people that we needed to thank. But if I could just get um, have a personal moment with all of you, our listeners. It's really you, the listeners and the supporters of the network that make what we do here, not on just this show, but on all of the shows for Trek FM, so worthwhile. For the longest time, and I think that a lot of us can relate to this, for the longest time, we try and find communities that we can feel safe with and in to talk about something that we love talking about without being mocked or without being ridiculed because we have such a deep passion for this content, whether it is Enterprise or the original series or TNG, DS9, Voyager, the movies, the animated series, the JJ movies, what have you. I think the great thing about what Christopher Jones has done, and as we're recording this, we are recording this on the fifth year anniversary of when he dropped the very first Hyper Channel for Trek FM. So happy anniversary, Chris. What he has been able to do over the last five years and what we've been able to help him with is create this great network that our fans can feel safe in. Talking about Star Trek, the content that they love, being able to meet people 
that they have never met or could never have met because we are coming from so many different distances, places, countries. It has really allowed us to become a community of people, a community of listeners, and we just don't really have all the opportunities that we need, at least we didn't in the past, to be able to communicate how much we love this content, how much we want to talk about it. When was the last time before you found Trek FM that you could turn to somebody and say, do you know anyone who actually talks about Star Trek anymore? Because I love it, but I can't find anybody who talks about it. That's what this network does. It allows you to collapse those distances and create great relationships. I've met so many great people. I have forged so many new friendships. And aside from talking about Star Trek, that is what this network really means to me. It has grown uh, a great community of people that I enjoy talking Star Trek with. And that, for me, is so incredibly personally satisfying that I feel a great obligation to do what I can for this network as I can when I can. And so do my co-hosts and friends here, Floyd, Will, Jeffrey, who can't be with us tonight, Mike Morrison, Tommy, who's doing really great work inspired by Enterprise on his own personal journey with Star Trek Horizon, the great work that these guys are doing over at Axonar, Alec Peters and Rob Burnett and Bill Hunt. That is fueled by their love for the original series. The people that are doing the stuff for Star Trek continues that love the original series. Vic and all of his team. Star Trek Renegades, the people who are doing that. I mean, it can go on and on and on. The love for Star Trek is here. It's still here. It's always here because fans will always grow with it. And it's our job to help bring in the new fans. And please share this network with them. Because the people that do the shows here love Star Trek. It's infectious and it allows people to grow inside the fandom that we all love. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for supporting us this year. I look forward with my team to do this for you next year and beyond. I had to throw that in there, right? So thank you again. And I can go on and on and on because I love gushing because I love our fans. But you know, talking about 2015 and the love that we're going to have in 2016 isn't the only thing that's happening on Trek FM this week. So here's a look at what else is going on at the end of the year here on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. Usually Mike and I are like, mm, what's going on? Okay. Our heads are just spinning like, what? I don't understand what's going on, you know? And like, you know, when I listen to that, I'm like, are we like you know bad <laughs> the orb he requested you know a Bajoran officer to serve with him yeah. on purpose you know he understands you make this their own we can't I'm glad just... he did it on purpose I could see him like accidentally requesting a Bajoran officer <laughs> oh man I, I checked the wrong box on the form <laughs> the ready room Actually, I think at this point, Vulcan Love Slave was probably just a short story, right? It hadn't been turned into a full-blown <laughs> That's blown right. It's not a full-blown novel. novel at that point. Yeah, It's yeah. just fanfic. It's just fanfic. Yeah, it's just fanfic. Point, so, right? <laughs> just on the internet. People started writing after first contact there in Montana. To the journey! It's a very much the genesis of Seven of Nine. Genesis! Genesis! Genesis allowed us not. Sorry. Commentary, Trek Stars. So we're closing in on the World Series is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, the Sox were able to win the World Series in, you know, 
12 games. So we're no White Sox, but we're like the Cubs or something. <laughs> oh, no, wait. They didn't win the World Series. Never mind. Never mind. The 602 Club. To speak back to the lightsaber overall, I mean, it was practical reasons that they switched it to green, but I've always loved the fact that Luke had that green saber, even when I was a kid. Like, it's really cool. It's an immediate visual signal, you know, even outside of the outfit that he's wearing, that he's he's a different kind of person than even we saw in the previous film. And I just, I really like that. Literary treks. The pinnacle of episodes that we've ever done on that was probably when we had Tristan from To the Journey on to talk about some Voyager comics. And <laughs> we ended up, that show was named Two Box Remedial School for Badasses or something of that nature. So, I mean, yeah, these old comics can just be very, very fun. Meta Treks. I looked it up, and ornare is the Latin word for to adorn. That's fascinating. So I looked up breca, and it turns out the same spelling, B-R-E-K-K-A, is Old Norse for slope or hillside. And that, listeners, is something you will only get right here on Metatrex. Better living through etymology. <laughs> and that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So one of the things that we love talking about here on the network, and it's something that helps us here bring all the content to you, is Patreon. Now, what is Patreon? Patreon is the program that we use here at Trek FM to help us fund the network. This is still a privately funded network. We use the donations from Patreon to help pay for our server space, to help upgrade our equipment, and to make sure that all the content remains flowing for all of you, all of our fans, who we work so hard to do this for. So... There are a couple of really interesting programs that we have here on Patreon. Aside from funding, uh, we have something called the Patrons Roundtable that will run. So, Will, if you could give the uh, fans a little bit of the behind the scenes of what goes on with the Patrons Roundtable. Sure. The Patrons Roundtable is if you donate at the $15 level a month um, on Patreon.com to support Trek FM. And it's a great place for patrons and Trek FM hosts and other panelists to get together and talk about all things Trek in a casual environment, talk about in-universe aspects, talk about out-of-universe aspects, talk about recent news. Obviously, we use it to talk about the news of the new Trek series. We're going to talk about the Beyond trailer. It's just a great venue to kind of have those types of conversations with people that we might not have when we're on our own shows or when we're online, obviously. So it's a really great place for you to have your voice heard. So if you can help us out, go to patreon.com slash trekfm, support us at the $15 level, and you can be part of the roundtable, and we'd love to have you on there. Now, Will, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that the schedule has changed for the roundtable from once to twice a month? That's right, Norm. So thank you for reminding me. So because the reception has been um, so well-received, um, Chris Jones actually has recommended that we go to um, a twice-a-month roundtable. So... Uh, with any luck with Chris's schedule um, freeing up, he would also like to host some of the roundtables per month as well. And I think just allows an even greater opportunity for you to get in on the conversation. So as we ramp up for 2016, 2017, I think it's only going to grow in popularity. Now, one of the great things about Patreon is that it allows you to support your fandom the way that you want to. And there are so many different entry points and opportunities to be able to do so. One of those entry points allows you to actually become an associate producer for either one show or several shows, and that's how Floyd, you came in. So could you tell the listeners here a little bit about why you chose that particular level and what that has been able to afford you in terms of being able to help grow your fandom with Trek FM? Yes, I 
I started at the assistant produce associate producer level on uh, Patreon, and I just saw it as I was getting so much from Trek FM. I was listening to the back catalog, and I was just devouring all this content. I couldn't believe that I can drive down the street, down the road, on my commute, and listen to Trek, Star Trek talk. It was just amazing. It blew me away. And I I just was really pushed to make sure that this continued. I really wanted to support the network in a big way. I saw an opportunity to support, and particularly not just the network, but this to Warp 5, the show. And I, um, I went for it. Uh, it. You can start as low as $1. Uh, you can start, if you go up to $5, you actually have access to the patron zone, which is a great, great website that... Uh, Christopher Jones has put together for us. You get early access to content. You get to uh, shows early. You have uh, ringtones. You have screen grabs, screen savers. I mean, it's just, it's a great place. And he also has plans to add even more content to make that even richer. So it has a great bargain for me. I mean, you're already, you're supporting the network that you already listen to and love, and you get access to behind the scenes perks that are really, really interesting, really, really cool. So that's all available to you at patreon.com slash Trek FM. That's P A T R E O N.com slash Trek FM. And I just want to thank everyone who's supporting us there. Now, again, we can't do this without the support of our associate producers who help fund this show. So I just wanted to thank Floyd again, because he's here on with us. And I want to thank Floyd and Mike Morrison, who is also another associate producer who couldn't be with us tonight, but you have heard him before on uh, other episodes of Warp 5. Uh, the support they give to us is invaluable, and we can't thank them enough for all the great things that they have been able to bring through the Patreon uh, program. So thank you so much to Floyd and Mike for being great fans and being great supporters of the show. Now, if you'd like to contact us here at Trek FM, you can always find us in a variety of different ways. You can go to Trek FM slash contact and look in the sidebar on the show page you can go to speakpipe.com slash trek fm and leave us a voice message we would love to hear from you uh, uh, about anything that you would like to talk about on the show or you could leave us an email there too you can also contact us through twitter at trek fm facebook facebook.com slash trek fm and i love talking about the babel conference because i think it is probably the one great place where all of our fans can get together and talk about Star Trek in a very respectful and a very safe forum. So that's the Babel Conference. Type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook or go to our website at trek.fm and click Discussion on the menu bar. So as we sign off, ladies and gentlemen, and close out the show for 2015, I would love for Will and for Floyd to be able to tell you how you can get in touch with them if you would like to discuss anything about this show or other shows or just Star Trek in general around Trek FM or across subspace. So, Will, how can our fans get in touch with you? Well, the best way is via Carrier Pigeon. It's the only way I respond to correspondence nowadays. Um, You're so old-fashioned. I am old-fashioned. I love that retroness. <laughs> of course I am kidding. Um, the best way to reach me is online. I'm on Facebook um, in the Babel Conference, which is the group we talked about earlier. Our dedicated listeners, uh, our dedicated Facebook listeners group, which is a great forum for discussion. You reach me on Twitter at, at @boomerniner. Always tweet me all things geeky and all things Trek. Love to talk on Twitter, 
and I'm a contributing writer for treknews.net. So you can always drop me a line when my new article drops there. And of course, you can always reach me um, through Trek FM at my email, will.win at Trek FM. So would love to hear from you. Thank you so much, Will. And Floyd, how about you? Yeah, you can find me in the Babel Conference on Facebook. I'm, I'm in there. If I'm not posting, I'm reading just about every day. Um, also, you can find me in the Axonar fan group and in the donors group there. I'm a proud supporter of Axonar. And also, um, I'm, a, I'm a member of several enterprise groups and just star, general Star Trek groups on Facebook. So uh, you can look me up. I'll definitely Babel Conference, though. That's the place to find me here for, on Trek FM. Awesome, Floyd. And again, thank you so much for all that you've done for us and on the network. Now, before I get into my credits, I just want to make sure that you can get in touch with our third chair, our Mr. Ataz, our Mr. Jeffrey Harlan, because he has done so much great stuff for the show. Unfortunately, he could not be with us tonight, but I wanted to make sure that we gave him the credit that he deserves. So you can always find Jeffrey on the Babel Conference. You can also find him on Twitter at Harlander. That's H-A-R-L-A-N-D-E-R. And he will be joining me in 2016 as we both take on the mantle and hopefully do just as good of a job as the hosts have done for Standard Orbit that are leaving uh, as of this week. They have dropped their last episode, and I can't thank Mike and Drew enough for ushering in Jeffrey and I to handle the show. Uh, as you may know, the original series is one of my favorites, and I just cannot wait to talk to all of you, the listeners, about my perspective and Jeffrey's perspective on the original series on Standard Orbit. So that's going to be happening in January in 2016. But until then, if you would like to get in touch with me, you can always find me here on the network or on the Babel Conference. You can find me on Twitter at Norman Lau. That's N-O-R-M-A-N-L-A-O. And just like Floyd, I am a huge supporter of Alec Peters and the Axonar Project. You can always find me on the dedicated Axonar fan group page on Facebook. And lastly, I am an executive producer here on Trek FM. And one last final personal note, I want to thank Will uh, just because he has been my right arm here on the show and he has been a great sounding board for me on and off the air. I think that he has grown incredibly here on the network and as a fan for Enterprise. And the only thing that I'm really super jealous of is how his t-shirt collection has just exploded over the course of the last 12 months being on Trek FM. So Will, for me, thank you. Thank you for being uh, my right arm, my chair. And I look forward to many more things with you in 2016 in Trek FM. I will grow out a beard so I can be like your Riker. <laughs> <laughs> and do the Riker maneuver, Absolutely. Right? Have a wonderful holiday season, my friends, and a wonderful start to the new year. We will be back after New Year's holiday with a new and even more exciting episodes of Warp 5. <laughs>